Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Today, the CEO and founder of the Global Autism Project, Molly Ola Pinney, is back on the show. The Global Autism Project partners with autism centers around the world. Since the start of the COVID-19 crisis, our partners have been adapting their services to support some of the most vulnerable children and their families. These dedicated changemakers continue to inspire us with their perseverance and flexibility. In previous episodes, we've featured our partners from China, Ecuador, Kenya, and Tanzania, among other guests. We'll continue to bring you community leaders from all over the world, including Saudi Arabia, Czech Republic, and Indonesia, to name a few. All of our partners are doing the best they can, yet their schools are in danger of permanent closure. Molly is here today to share an important announcement in response to these unprecedented circumstances. In this episode, discover what's possible when we extend a helping hand and truly make a difference. And now I bring you Molly Ola Penny. Hi, Molly. Welcome back to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. You have an exciting announcement to make today. I do. I'll let you jump right in. Yes. Yeah, so today we're announcing the Partner Relief Fund. There's an announcement video on our website right now, which I'm sure we'll direct people to. But in it, I say that we're doing something we've never done because we're facing something we've never faced. And so what we're doing right now is we are raising money online and 100% of donations raised are going directly to our partner sites to provide relief. I think it's something that a lot of people don't realize is that while there's mixed messages around how successful the government relief has been, we do have a safety net in this country that's not available everywhere. When people lost their jobs, many people were able to get unemployment. Small businesses have been able to get funding, and that's simply not available in other parts of the world. And so when the centers have had to shut down, some people have lost their jobs potentially forever because of this. And what that really means is that kids have lost services potentially forever if we don't step in and support them right now. And every partner site has a different story. They all have different needs. They're facing different challenges. Yeah. The commonality, I think, is the resilience and the passion. It's unsurprising to us, of course, because we talk to our partners every week and we learn a lot about just how incredible they are and how dedicated they are. And I mean, we have people trying to deliver telehealth, which is services remotely, generally through a computer. They're doing it over a phone in places where people don't have smartphones available. They're just on the phone, they're texting, they're calling, they're guiding parents through supporting their kids. And so, you know, they're doing absolutely everything they can right now. And it's been inspiring. It's been amazing. It's been incredible to see their resilience when it comes to providing what it is people need, to see their passion that has always, I mean, that's what our partners have always had in common, and this is no different. But yeah, I think to your point, every partner has struggled with it on some level, whether it's because they've shut down temporarily and they now have a reopen plan or they've shut down and they have no idea when they can reopen. It's different all over the world. Yeah. 
And just to give a specific example, our partner Yasser from Saudi Arabia, who will be coming on the podcast, he was describing how in Saudi Arabia, only the Saudi Arabian nationals will get support. And he is from Yemen. So him and his family are not getting the same kinds of benefits that other people are getting. So it's situations like those that you don't even really think about. The little details that are happening within those cultures. Right. And he's an incredible person who has started an organization that benefits a lot of kids in Saudi Arabia, and it doesn't matter right now. Because this is a global crisis, it's impacting everybody differently. I mean, we have partners in Ecuador. It's an exceptionally hard-hit area, and they've been really struggling. You know, there's this internet meme going around saying that we're all in the same storm, but we're not in the same boat. And I think that nothing makes it more obvious than the calls that we do every week when we see all of our partners on the Zoom screen and sharing their experiences and what it's like in different parts of the world right now. Yeah, and this is affecting their businesses, yes, but it's also going deeper, affecting the families and the communities that they're serving. Their students are at risk for regressing, and also the parents are stressed out because they're having to take care of not only their kids with autism, but their other kids and making sure that they have enough money to buy food for that week. Yeah, we said in the beginning when we talked to all the partners, the most important thing right now is that nobody feels alone or desperate. And this is obviously a crisis situation where that's very easy to go back to feeling alone and desperate. But we want to make sure for the long term, we want to make sure that all of that groundwork that partners have done, they're able to pick back up and they're able to reopen and they're able to provide support right now to these families. Because, you know, I don't think I need to say what can happen when people feel alone or desperate in the world. Mm -hmm. You said that this is an initiative that has never been done in the past. I remember you saying in your TEDx that giving money directly or resources directly to people in need doesn't help. Could you explain the reasoning behind that? Yeah. And I think that the caveat during that time, and has always been, except in the case of a massive disaster, and this is definitely a disaster situation, largely what tends to happen in the international development space is that large sums of money or resources are given to people around the world when really that money and those resources run out. And when they run out, there's nothing there to show for it. And so our emphasis as an organization has always been on the sustainability to be sure that the training is there so that partners learn how to access the resources locally. Again, I think this is obviously an exception to that. This is a different situation. This is not something that any amount of proper future planning was going to plan for. I mean, even for our organization, right? We have a contingency plan for canceling one or two trips. There is no contingency plan for canceling an entire year. For our partners, there's no contingency plan for every single kid can't come to school tomorrow. And that's okay. But I think in this case, it is different. And in this case, we're making up a loss for them. Here in the U.S., they rolled out the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP loan. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to take two and a half months of costs and be able to support our businesses. But the reality is the partners lost that too. They lost that school tuition and they don't know when they're getting it back. I've been reading over some of their applications and for a lot of them, families have lost their jobs and they're not going to be able to prioritize sending their kid to school to get autism services. They're just not. We don't want anybody anywhere in the world having to make a decision between feeding their family and educating their child. Mm -hmm. 
I remember when we shared the news to the partners about the relief fund and we were on a Zoom call with everyone and you could just feel a deep sense of gratitude and hope in the space. And some even started crying because they were so touched by the idea that there are donors out there who care about the work that they're doing and want to see them continue it. Yeah. And there are, there are so many. We have an incredible, incredible group of SkillCore alums, of their donors. We've been running our SkillCore program, which is, of course, our volunteer international program that most of my staff came through. You know, <laughs> hundreds of people have come through that program and thousands of donors have supported their efforts. And so it's been incredible just to share, even just with a few people that we've shared this with personally, who've been so excited and so motivated by it. And, you know, SkillCore has always, always been such an important part of our organization. SkillCore is the reason we've been able to grow to the level that we have, the reason we've been able to provide any support. So we're launching a partner relief fund committee, and that will include SkillCore alums, people who have been on the ground, they've seen the work, and they understand firsthand what the needs are. Could you explain their role in the process of the committee? Yeah, absolutely. So we're establishing the Partner Relief Fund that partners will then be able to apply for based on their need. And our organization will be working with a committee, including SkillCore alums, including some donors, including people from other sectors of humanitarian work, so that we can create a committee to establish where the funds are needed most and where they'll be able to go. And then, you know, I've gotten a lot of questions around what will the money be used for. And I think that the largest thing to know is that it will be used to make sure kids still have services. Mm -hmm. The most important thing right now is that services and learning continue. And not only important because kids need to learn all over the world, but important because this is a community of support that these families have created, have come to rely upon in good times and bad. And it's just so important that that community stays intact. I mean, when you think about a country that had no autism services or very limited autism services, and you have someone there really building a movement for access to services, for acceptance, for inclusion of these kids, and to lose all that overnight would be devastating. And so that's what we're focused on with this fund. We're focused on making sure that these centers can continue, that these kids can continue to get access to services. They can continue to learn. They can continue to be supported. Their families can continue to be supported. You know, it's one of those things that I think all of us, when we first heard about this, we felt super helpless, you know, just in our own communities, in our own lives. And then, you know, Rachel, we talk to our partners every week and just hearing their stories, I just continued to feel helpless and to see them just really showing up and supporting these kids, but of course, fearful about the future. And I think that we have a real opportunity here to step up, to galvanize the community around the work that they're doing, to make even more people aware of what our partners do every day. This is amazing news that I know many people will be excited about. We announced this publicly today. We had announced it a little bit internally. You know, back in February when we had to cancel the trips, obviously one of the first phone calls that we made after informing all of the travelers and our SkillCore community was to our sponsors. We had people this year sponsoring SkillCore teams, and we were so incredibly excited about these new relationships. And now here I was having to call them up. I call them on a weekend night telling them what had happened. And every single one of them was just beyond generous and kind and understanding and 
felt really great about having sponsored and now the organization's making a decision that's going to keep everyone safe, which was amazing. So when I shared with them the partner relief fund and what we were doing, I was again, blown away by every single one of them. And we actually have a leadership gift right now from early autism services for this fund. And so they've made a leadership gift to kick us off and get us started. We're going to be using it to match donations in the next few days, which we're really excited about. But I think, you know, it just speaks to how incredibly beautiful and generous and caring this community is. And we find that over and over and over again in the work that we do. So if people are interested in making a donation, where can they find that information? Right on our website. The homepage is dedicated to this. Everything we're doing is dedicated to this. This is what we're up to right now. You know, obviously we're not running trips for the remainder of 2020. Many of our staff have scaled back their hours because of that and they're stepping up to make this happen for the partners. So It's something that we're really excited, again, to be able to do. It's something that our partners are really excited about. And we are looking at what we can do to create this as sustainable emergency funding in the future, because we just never know. We never know when a partner is going to be dealing with something like this. You know, we've had partners dealing with tsunamis and hurricanes and earthquakes and all sorts of things that haven't been on quite the scale that this is. But we would love to be able to support our partners in the future. But right now, We're doing something we've never done because we're facing something we've never faced. And I am confident that we are going to be able to raise more money than we have ever raised to be able to keep every single one of our partners working and providing services for these kids. Yeah, I'll be sure to post a link to the website in the show notes so listeners can make a donation directly. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for coming on and sharing the exciting news with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of it. And Yeah, we're looking forward to big things. Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. If you'd like to learn more about the history of the Global Autism Project and the mission that drives our work, please listen to my conversation with Molly in Episode 2. These are indeed difficult times for many of us. Even though we're all facing different sets of challenges, some are struggling more than others. Crises afford us an opportunity to practice compassion and make a difference in someone else's life. You can take bold action right now by making a donation at globalautismproject.org. 100% of the proceeds will go directly to our COVID-19 relief fund. Our partners around the world could immensely benefit from your help to ensure that their schools continue running services that children with autism continue to develop essential skills, and that families continue to feel supported by their communities. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. Thanks for listening. Take care. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.